I've been going since about uh, 6 a.m., I think. We shouldn't plan this this way. <laughs> no chance. Um, okay. Um, yeah, just start with a few things and open it up to questions. Um, n number one, uh, just because we just were able to accomplish something I've hoped we could accomplish uh, for years, which is to expand the replay system. Um, it's always hard to get 24 votes, but I think we uh, we really, really worked at it. And um, uh, for me personally, what it really relates to is the integrity of the game. Um, the, the, the largest plays in the game that are difference makers typically are defensive pass interference and offensive pass interference. There's others as well, but those two are incredibly important. And we've never been able to challenge those. Uh, we've never been able to have um, a system where in the final minutes of a game or a half, they're automatically uh, potentially changed or uh, studied. Um, it's uh, the, the chances of having a, a game-changing uh, mistake are minimized if you can at least, you know, challenge it or um, have New York ending, ending up challenging it. So it's, uh, I, I think it's just, you know, it's it's something important, and uh, for me, we deal in a sport that's we love. Our fans and all of us are incredibly passionate. We invest so much blood, sweat, and tears, and to have a key game, whether it's a playoff game or just any game during the regular season, come down to a, a, a human mistake. The referees are doing the best they can. They're not going to be perfect. More, none of us are. How should they be? Uh, you need a backup system. The technology's there. And, uh, you know, it's about time and um, just pleased to, to play a part in having a, uh, an important change to our system there. It really does come down to integrity for me. And, um, you know, everything we do, um, whether it's running an NFL team or the rules we create or our vision for how a team should be in the community uh, or in the country, um, all boils down to integrity. And uh, anyway, um, number one, really happy that that evolved. Um, number two is uh, I, I'm pleased to see some things with the NFL in terms of we've made a lot of rule changes the last few years to improve health and safety, and we're starting to see finally some of the real uh, advantages in some of those rules and equipment and data analysis to create better sneaker, better uh, cleats and all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, to have a significant drop in concussions, was a 29% uh, drop in con concussions since last year, 45% uh, fewer games missed by quarterbacks, those are big deals. That's really important. It's something that it's one year, uh, and we've got to really stay at it. We've got to enforce those rules. You know, sometimes people are critical of how we enforce the rules. We need to enforce those rules to maintain that level of safety and even get safer. And our, our athletes deserve it. Our kids deserve it in terms of uh, uh, Pop Warner and high school and junior high and everything. Uh, we've we've got to stay on that. And uh, um, integrity and safety, two huge priorities of, of mine, and I'm, I'm really happy we're heading in that direction. Um, to me, the biggest news in the NFL the past year is we have quite a few exciting young quarterbacks. That is the biggest change in the NFL. Um, 
we're lucky to have one of them, um, and it's it's really. Uh, we always said that the the scarcest the scarcest position and the most important position is quarterback, and we're starting to see the evolution of terrific college quarterbacks having great success in the pros at an early age bodes well. I think that's why TV ratings are way up, and um, it's crucial. You know, we're also seeing another interesting trend, which is that quarterbacks um, who are terrific quarterbacks can play into their 40s. Uh, and that that bodes well for all these young guys that are coming into the league and starring at age 23, 24, 25. Uh, MVP-level seasons, Carson last the year before and Mahomes this year, and uh, unbelievable. Um, there's a chance that these guy, kind of guys can uh, you know play until their 40s. So it's amazing to watch Drew and Tom still playing at the level they do. It's incredible. Um, just a few more things, and you'll, you'll have plenty of time for questions. Um, I, I think one of the other things, maybe all of us are used to it in terms of the Eagles culture in Philadelphia. We've always kind of had an approach where the players are our partners, and we do so many things together from community work, social justice initiatives this past year, but we have a philosophy that – the culture we want to develop, and we have, is um, a very close relationship with our players. I'm seeing it across the NFL now, and it's really it's 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 really great to see it. I talk to other owners that are um, having a very uh, comparable uh, culture and situation with their teams, and working together. We're we're in such a polarized society today, you know, uh, incredibly polarized society that if you can have a football team and its players as a partnership, you can really make a difference. And it's a, it's a great example, I think, in society uh, that you can work together on things and you don't need to have a polarized position. And um, uh, we can do so many great things together if we work together. And that's, that's another thing. Um, I mentioned TV popularity. It's actually pretty remarkable. Uh, 19 of the top 20 shows on television are NFL games. Um, not surprising to all of us because we love the sport, but it's um, it's pretty remarkable. And uh, and again, I do credit it to um, the the quarterback play and the competitiveness of the games, and a lot of the rules that have created dynamic offenses. And uh, I, I think it's what fans want. And we have a lot of offensive. Um, playmakers and coaches that are really bright. We're lucky to have a head coach like that in Doug. And um, anyway, that's uh, NFL-wise. Eagles-wise, you know, I'm, I'm just very excited for 2019. We've we've only finished the past season a few weeks ago, but uh, uh, very excited for every aspect of, of 2019. Uh, just really impressed um, by Doug and his coaching staff. Uh, it, to follow winning the Super Bowl with some ups and downs of the past season and, and remaining so poised, even-keeled, focused, um, uh, dynamic, and uh, just as impressive as the year we won the Super Bowl last year. So um, very pleased with that. Howie, Howie has, um, is dynamic, creative, smart. I think we all know that. And uh, he's surrounded himself with a terrific front office staff and – you know, I'm lucky to have 
all these really terrific people uh, on our football operations side. Um, our players, incredible resilience, uh, excellent locker room, uh, impressive people in the community, and um, a terrific young quarterback and uh, leader in Carson, just uh, everything you'd ever want. Uh, so, you know, I think our future is very bright. Um, I, I, we certainly have a philosophy of, in the present, trying to win another championship and at the same time not sacrificing the future in, in any significant way. Um, so it can be done. And uh, I think that's what we've been doing the last few years. And it's going to continue that way where we're going to be aggressive for the present. We think we can compete at the very highest level 2019 and at the same time plan for 2020, 2021 and uh, be as good a football team as we can be. So that's, yeah, that's kind of it. You didn't even give me a chance to uh, say, ask any questions be, you want. I wanted to be less. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you did. Howard. Okay, one rule that you submitted was approved. Yes. Okay. The one that you withdrew with Dallas playing every Thursday night on Thanksgiving, I kind of have an idea why you don't like that. Will you tell me why you withdrew that so they get to play at home every Thursday night yeah. on Thanksgiving? Okay, so, you know, over the years we've analyzed this, and um, our, our, our opinion is that uh, teams, every team, nobody wants to play away on Thursday night on a short week. Um, and we always feel it should be a balanced uh, schedule in terms of uh, teams that have to play on a short week uh, away. That's all. It has nothing to do with Thanksgiving. Uh, it's a great tradition in Detroit, Dallas, whatever, but uh, uh, just on a competitive basis. Um, as soon as you look at the schedule, you want to know, are you away on a short week on a Thursday? And, uh, you know, we've, we've been resilient. We beat Carolina the year before, uh, you know, a big game, two good teams. But that, that was what we were trying to accomplish. So and uh, there wasn't enough support at this point. But, you know, you got to start the conversation somewhere. And uh, on behalf of our fans, uh, we start that conversation. Yeah, the replay <laughs> rule, um, the, you know, with the pass interference, you think that this uh, kind of paves the way for maybe expanding it down the road? With, I uh, do. And I, listen, we've, we proposed and uh, we'd like to see happen, and we've wanted this for, for quite a long time, is not just um, pass interference, offensive and defense, but um, roughing the passer and hits to a uh, um, vulnerable receiver. Uh, those, those are the a vulnerable player at, the, at whatever place on the field. Um, those are the two, more for player safety than anything else. Um, we thought, uh, kind of hoping we could get that approved this year. Um, but, you know, um, as somebody said to me, uh, I know you didn't get that, but uh, you got to walk before you can run, and uh, we'll be at it, pushing that for, uh, for next season. You mentioned the, the future of, of the franchise. Obviously, I think part of that is going to be Carson's contract whenever it comes. Yeah. Uh, because of the magnitude of that deal, or, do you want to be more involved in the creation of it and, and seeing it through? By more involved, what do you mean? Like As opposed to uh, any other contract that goes through. You know, listen, they're, they're all complicated contracts. Uh, we, we've planned for this for uh, a few years, and all of our planning is in place to uh, be able to 
um, the, the blueprint is always, can you find a franchise quarterback? Uh, <clears throat> is he going to be the personality and the leader and the uh, uh, talent that you want? We're very, very lucky to you know, have somebody like Carson. We plan for this, and, uh, and that's exactly where we are going forward. Based on his injury history the last couple of years, would you feel comfortable if, if that happened this offseason? Yeah, I mean, I think, listen, he played his whole rookie year durable, and uh, absolutely, he's, he's um, when you draw it up, I, I think it's exactly what you want. A highly competitive, very type A personality, um, demanding, uh, very smart, obsessed with winning uh, and winning big, um, respected by everybody, um, just, you know, you can't really draw it up much better, and... Uh, um, I, we're lucky to have him. Where do you come down on the benefits of having a quarterback on his rookie deal um, versus you know getting him locked in so you don't have to pay more later? Okay. Right. I think you always have the benefit when you draft a young player at any position, but a particularly quarterback in the first three or four or five years. There's no question about it. But I think most organizations plan uh, for the moment when you're going to be spending – um, top dollar for a franchise quarterback. So it's, it's part of the blueprint. Uh, you don't want to not get Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, and you hope, uh, you know, your own quarterback. So uh, it's what you hope happens. And then you've got to plan very carefully. Um, how are you going to build your roster when you have to pay your quarterback a certain amount of money? And so, you know, that's, that, that's gone into it for the last few years. And uh, as we project forward, it's 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 all there, um, and that's you know you just gotta you gotta know where do you want to be in 2019, where do you want to be in 2020, very detailed. Construct your roster, your your resource allocations, and um, uh, your age demographics, and and all that kind of stuff. And you know that's what we do. In the previous year, I think we've been here a couple of years ago. You had said that you wanted to get back to the old uh, Andy Reid days where you would draft a quarterback. Uh, either every year or every other year, somewhere around there. Yeah. And there's no need to, obviously, the last few years with uh, Nick and Carson. Yes. And whatever. Uh, do you kind of want to get back to that now? That I do. Um, I do. I think, you know, you do it opportunistically. I absolutely do. I think uh, um, I would expect us to, you know, if not every year, every other year, uh, try to find a quarterback that uh, uh, can be part. The, we're very conscious of the culture. And that quarterback room, we've had an incredible quarterback room with Carson, Nick, and Nate. Just incredible. It's, it's I think, one of the reasons they're all so uh, poised for success. Um, that quarterback that we bring in, let's say it's this year's draft or next year's draft, um, needs to be a, a great fit in that room. So you're not just drafting a player that can be a good backup quarterback, but somebody that can help um, the culture with the quarterback who is starting. So you, you want a really a sort of a, a relationship that's uh, very healthy and help each other, and uh, that, that's, that's a key part of it, too. You've spoken to us about short-term, mid-term, long-term plans. Yep. Uh, because of the dearth of draft picks in, 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 in recent years, you yep. really don't have the amount of young talent that maybe you had in past years. What do you expect to do to rectify that, and how yep. critical is that for your long-term success? It, it's a great question. Uh, absolutely critical. Um, we, you know, basically planted exactly how it's gone in the sense of um, we didn't have an, 
as many draft picks. Uh, we've had some good young players, really good young players, but volume of draft picks. We believe in volume. Uh, we're not uh, uh, cocky enough to feel that you're going to draft way better than anybody else, and it's very important to create volume. Um, this draft, we're going to have good volume, especially in the top of the draft, two twos and two fours to go with our one. And uh, next year, we're going to have quite a few draft choices. It's very important. So when you look ahead over the next uh, 13 months, we're going to be adding about 20 draft choices. Um, you're going to have uh, some undrafted players make the team. And so you can imagine there's probably going to be about 20 to 25 players that are going to be 22 years old, 23 years old on our roster. Uh, and we plan for that. That's, uh, and to Howie's credit in the front office, what they've done is – I, th I think they always balance this, and they they uh, sort of analyze: should you draft, should you uh, sign a player who is a potentially good starting player at age, say, 31 or 30, versus a low-level starting player who's a lot younger? So, when I talk to Howie, it's always about what is the next two years going to be in that comparison. You know, yeah, you get the 25 or 26-year-old in his second contract. But he's a low-level starter. You know, his team didn't want him. And, uh, you know, maybe he can be a, a low-level starter for us at best. Or you can get a guy who can make an impact, several guys that can make an impact. And um, we're banking on them for one to two years. And so that's resource allocation. It's with the idea of what we're going to be allocating for quarterback and for every other position and – um, and the notion that we're going to have about 20-odd players, um, you know, coming onto our roster in the next 13 months. An interesting stat in the league, and we'll be consistent with that, is that I think 65% of the players in the league are in their first to third years. So when you think about that, and where will we be in about 13 months, I bet we're pretty close to that. With the importance of the, of the draft and all these picks yeah. the next two years, Joe Douglas's uh, you know, influence on the draft is, is, is obviously mm -hmm. key to you guys having success there. Two years ago at this time, I think uh, at the interview, you said that the addition of Joe was one of the best offensive yep. moves you had made. What's yep. your assessment of how he's done so far, and yep. and what do you anticipate him doing in the draft? Yeah, I think Joe is, you know, um, Joe's terrific. Um, the team that Joe and Howie have built uh, have been terrific. It's really not one person. Uh, you know, I think the longer you're in this, it's it's a lot of voices and a lot of trying to figure out. You've got a lot of close call choices, and um, uh, Joe does a terrific job. And I think you know we've uh, been fortunate enough to attract a lot of really good people uh, in the whole scouting and the analytics area. Um, it's it's what I've always wanted, and uh, I think we have a great team. We brought in Andrew Barry recently. Uh, terrific, uh, you know, young executive and uh, um, Andy Weidel. We've 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 got a slew, and uh, uh, we also at some point are going to lose executives. When you're winning, you're going to lose uh, executives, and I think we're in a great position to be able to to deal with that. But um, you know, you, we don't want to put a cap on how many good executives we have in football operations. That would be a competitive mistake. So we are always looking for who we think um, some of the best young talent is in the, in the, in the country in terms of uh, bringing them to us.
And uh, it's not like this person's in this position and that's that. We are constantly wanting to add to it, just as we would with the roster. A couple, a couple of the other uh, people sort of in, in that mix who we don't see a lot of, uh, Tom Donahoe and Alec Hallaby. Can you just kind of sure. explain what their uh, roles have been and kind of where they've brought uh, value to the operation? Absolutely. Uh, Tom, you know, it's been a senior advisor for, for years for us. Um, he, he's like a, a really, uh, I would say, just, a, just a, a guy who you can bounce anything off of. Howie, Joe, everybody uses Tom to bounce ideas off of. Um, he's got, a, a, you know, decades of knowledge, and he's just, uh, I wouldn't want to call him a wise old man because he'd get angry at me, but I just did. But uh, he's, uh, he's, he's, a, he's a, a, you know, great guy and uh, just someone who's a senior advisor. And Alec is just a very sharp guy who uh, um, uh, combines, you know, in a very good way his uh, his analytics and his uh, experience in um, uh, strategy, roster building, and all that. So, uh, two two valuable pieces of the organization. Speaking of analytics, you guys have always kind of been on the forefront of the league of using yeah. them. Now that more teams are doing it, do you feel like you have a leg up on them in that regard? You know, I don't know about a leg up, but we are um, pretty obsessed with it, and uh, we're always looking to figure out how we can be much better at it. We don't know, and we don't really. It, it doesn't matter. We have to. We have to be the best we can be, and it's not just about mining lots of data. We will collect a lot of data. It's what you do with it, and uh, I, I think that's the key. You know, without revealing any details of what we do, I think uh, it'll always be a, you know a priority. Jeff, you replay, you on the replay, replay, the, uh, replay thing. Yes. Um, you heard from a couple people leaving that room that, that Jason Garrett spoke to the room. Uh, and had a pretty influential talk with the folks in there, but also your name came up. Did, right. did you address the room, and yeah. what was the gist of what you said, and why do you think maybe it got across the way it did? Right. Um, no, the gist of what I said was I, I just think that um, integrity is the most important thing we're dealing in the National Football League. It's, it has to be, uh, along with safety, health and safety, the two most important things uh, that we deal with and have to prioritize. And to me... I, I directly link um, utilization of technology and backing up humans, human error at times uh, with creating outcomes that at least are uh, your best attempt at getting it right. And I always feel the NFL should be branded as an arbiter of truth. You know, people rely on us for, um, for accuracy. It's never going to be 100%. It's impossible. We're human, but we have the capability. So my, my talk with the, uh, with the owners and uh, the general managers and all the coaches, executives there, were, was much more philosophical about integrity and making sure that we uh, didn't leave today until we solved the issues of uh, expanding replay in, in the way we did. When you guys walked in that this Michael, morning, yeah. what was your feeling on the likelihood of getting something passed? Um, you know, I, I, I was worried about it. Um, I said to somebody, uh, I, I don't care if we have to stay till midnight, I want to get this done. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, we owe it. Uh, if, when, when you ask, you know, we're, we're an entertainment company, we're a football company, we're a football league, you're asking people, to devote their heart and soul. You're asking your players, your coaches, and your fans uh, to devote, and, and ourselves, our heart and soul to it. It's not just your manufacturing shoes. And if you're asking people to deliver their emotions, 
to the product that you're presenting, then you owe it to everybody that you're presenting it to to be as accurate as humanly possible. And that's, um, that, that's, it just has to be that way. And I hope we can continue to do that. You know, just as a little backdrop, I, I've never really talked about this before, but uh, I, I've supported uh, every proposal to expand replay for the last decade. Um, uh, Bill Belichick had a proposal to uh, expand it to uh, multiple play, any play. And not to create more challenges, limit it to the three challenges, you know, if you're right with two and you get a third, but uh, why not try to basically uh, correct anything? And I, I've always voted for that, but, you know, this was a start and I think a really, really good start. The part of the rule that you guys were responsible for, can you explain that and how, why you brought it up? Which rule are you talking about, Les? So I'm on the replay, expansion of replay, and... Uh, there wasn't a, there wasn't there was a subset that had to do with uh, penalties called on touchdown or scoring plays yeah that was that was just an add on with our our main thrust was uh, expanding replay getting offensive and defensive pass interference and player safety violations uh, on it um, one added wrinkle we put in was and it got in, incorporated into this rule change was that if you score and it's nullified uh, similar to Dallas Goddard's touchdown in Dallas, by a offensive pass interference that that's challengeable, and uh, I'm pretty confident that if we challenged that, it would have been reversed. How do you feel about the celebrations, uh, Jeff? I mean, uh, now you have a possibility of 48 point, uh, 48 yards, an extra point, um, um, without being enforced. That yeah, I, offensive team. Okay, well, a little background, I guess, on celebrations is I've. Uh, <laughs> I've always carried the water on celebrations in terms of uh, I'm all for celebrations, and I never wanted to see us. I voted against every curtailment of celebration uh, policy that's ever been put out. Um, if this policy results in a lessening of significant celebrations, then you know I will move to change it. But um, my hope is it'll just make it efficient, and uh, you'll have great celebrations and uh, we move on. Fans want consistency and they want efficiency, but uh, it's not meant to curtail celebrations in the slightest. As you know, Ben Foles um, has a, a yeah. unique spot in, in kind of Eagles history. Yes. How, was, how challenging was it to, to see him leave and, and, and your personal perspective yeah. on, on his spot in this franchise? Yes. Um, it's, a, it's a great question. Um, so uh, Nick, as you all know, um, exceptional person. There's no understating it. Exceptional person. And uh, it was hard. We went through every alternative we could think of uh, as an organization um, on, on how to proceed here. Um, really, in the end, I, I think Nick really did want to have a team to, to take control of and be the guy. He had just, you know, come off winning a Super Bowl, almost taking us back to the Super Bowl. And um, I, I, we know him so well. We're so close to him. I, I think we just felt like this is what he wanted. And um, it, it wouldn't have made sense to franchise Nick. Uh, it just wouldn't have been the right thing to do. Uh, and, you know, he's going to be uh, – he, he's a legend in Philadelphia. He will always be. Um, he's, he's a part of our family forever. 
and we're all really close to him. And uh, he and Carson, two, except they're different and so terrific, both of them. And they both, I think, benefited from each other in so many ways. And um, uh, it's, it was just a, a great example of a, you know, of a player we all loved and uh, doing the right thing and, um, and supporting him with other teams. I mean, I would get asked, you know, what, what's Nick like? Can he, can he be dynamic for anyone but you and all that? And, uh, you know, I, I just think it's part of our role, my role. I take it personally to absolutely be honest and uh, um, let people know how wonderful he is and what a great leader he is and uh, terrific quarterback. Did you influence the decision to now he said that we're not going to franchise him? It was the it was, timing of that. Did you have any influence on that, that decision? Uh, it was, you know, I would say uh, certainly Howie and I had long discussions about it, and we thought um, the sooner we do it, the better, because we wanted to give Nick every opportunity to um, be in the best possible situation and not have a team not, you know, worry that we were going to potentially keep him and not have the opportunity to start because there aren't that many opportunities. Uh, we were also, to be honest about it, hoping that uh, he didn't end up with the Giants or the Redskins, and that was uh, part of it. We were very confident that uh, uh, he was going to play for Jacksonville. Jeffrey, you mentioned, um, Dave. You mentioned Doug and the job he did this past season. Yeah. Could you expand on that and then also talk about the growth you've seen from him since he became head coach? Yeah. I mean, really, uh, he continues to impress and continues to grow uh, just – just tremendous respect from his fellow coaches and the players that, you know, as an owner, that's what you look for first. Um, I, I, you know, I, I'd heard that, uh, one, one of the re- research, uh, you know, I certainly did and how he did with Doug on Doug was with Andy and, uh, they had a, a period where they lost six or seven games in Kansas city one year. And he said the most resilient guy on the coaching staff by far, Doug Peterson, um, I never forgot that. And I thought of it last year when we were struggling a bit. Um, incredibly poised and optimistic and uh, dealing with, um, you know, uh, ways to straighten out the team and get everybody to, and, and always brings people together. He has a dynamic to always bring people together. Nobody's pointing fingers. No one's blaming, you know, a sluggish offense or a special teams is not doing as well or a defense. Um, nothing like that. Doesn't let it happen. And uh, uh, just, you know, what can I say? Very, very impressive and uh, um, terrific guy to work with and uh, I think surrounds himself with really good people. And players around the league uh, have a real good idea of, you know, what Doug's all about, genuine genuine and uh in today's world um i don't care what business you're in uh when you're genuine when you're human when you're honest and uh you have integrity gets back to that word integrity it's powerful you know uh it's it's very powerful on the uh thanksgiving proposal again yeah um you mentioned that you withdrew it because it didn't have enough support. Yeah. What was some of the feedback from teams, I guess, aside from Dallas and Detroit, on you know why they why they weren't for that? You know what? All, all we heard from was the competition committee said there wasn't uh, there wasn't enough support. So we just uh, it, it was meant really to start to analyze the impact of away Thursday short week games and should that be spread evenly. It was it was just a. It was a manner of doing that. It wasn't focused on the teams that were involved. It was, uh, it's, it's, we do a lot of data analysis of 
of um, schedules and, and things like that and short weeks because you're going to try to prepare and recover and all those kind of things. And one of the things that came up was, uh, you know, the, the difficulty sometimes of uh, short weeks on Thursdays. Why away. Why do they always I mean, it's one thing to play on Thursday, but they always play at home. That's your biggest issue, not that they play. Oh, at the yeah, that's, that's, that's the <laughs> single they issue. They do it every year, so they have an advantage over every team in the NFC East, correct? Correct. <laughs> would you like to change overtime? Uh, I would, uh, Michael. I would like to change overtime. Um, we, we talked a lot to the, com- the competition committee about changing overtime. Um, there's a lot of ways to do it. Uh, personally, I don't like the shortened overtime uh, in the regular season because I think it gives even more value to the winner of the coin toss. So if you get the ball first uh, and you have a seven-minute drive or nine-minute drive, that's taking up 70 to 90% of the time period of, of regular season overtime now. Uh, it makes no sense to me. Um, someday I hope we can uh, get that changed. Um, and, there, there, you know, there's a lot of ways I think – Another possibility is uh, try to avoid the coin, the coin toss uh, and have other mechanisms. Uh, one of the things I floated was to uh, uh, the, the team that scores the most touchdowns um, has the advantage uh, of getting the ball first. Mm-hmm. Often it will be a tie, but those times when you score more touchdowns, reward that. You, know, just, you, you want to avoid a, a coin toss as best you can, I think. You, you mentioned... Yeah, when, uh, when you found out that there was a chance Deshaun Jackson could be brought back to mm-hmm. Philadelphia, what was kind of your reaction to that? Very positive. Uh, you know, we, we've all kept uh, tabs of Deshaun very closely ever since he's been gone, and uh, he's got very close ties to our organization, our players, our executives, and um, we've watched him and his maturity, and uh, um, it's not the first time we tried to bring him back. We finally were able to, and uh, I'm glad we, we have him. A year, and a half, a year and a half ago, Carson, as you mentioned, was possibly the MVP. Of the yes. League, but since then, he's had to come back from knee surgery. He's now had the back injury. And then there was questions raised about his personality and whether he was a selfish teammate. How do you, how do you view him in terms of his personality and how do you oh. tend to re- rebound? From those struggles. Yeah, I mean, Carson is, as I said before, uh, when you write it up, it's exactly how you hope. Uh, I, I think we all love very intense, type A, um, driven quarterbacks uh, and very talented. And um, he's, he's a terrific leader. He's From day one on that team, every position, every player I've talked to uh, and, and we've all talked to, um, are sort of just uh, impressive young man, very impressive young man. And that's, that's Carson, very impressive young man. Different personality than Nick. That's great. You know, that's great. We, we had the benefit of two outstanding personalities. Um, but Carson is, uh, is kind of the way you draw it up. The player, the player, the player tracking data that was uh, made av- available, how valuable um, did you find that as an organization? And also, would yeah. you like to see that? data be released to kind of the, the public sphere as well? Great question, Sheila. I, I, we make terrific use of it. I told you a few years ago I thought it was a very important aspect. Um, we, we use it as best we can, which is uh, a lot. Um, I would like to see almost all data um, in the public 
to the public, to the fans. And I think that's where we're headed. Um, it, it's, you know, as we head towards more legalized gambling, towards more online betting, whatever it's going to be, there's going to be uh, increased utilization of data for the casual fan and for the avid fan. And um, I, I'm all for uh, releasing as much data as possible. Not medical data. That's that's a whole other other question. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think the more informed we can all be and understand strategies through data, uh, player evaluations through data, it's a tool. That's all it is, is a tool, but it's a very, very valuable tool. I really should forfeit my question for jumping the gun there. No, no, no. no. Um, those traits you talked about with Carson Taipei and all were yes, painted in a negative light by one story in yeah. particular. Did yeah. you have any conversations with him? Or, I don't think Doug said he didn't even bring it up to him. No, not at, well, not at all. But I, he's the wonderful thing about Carson. He's humble. He's smart. He's got a feel for um, uh, every type of person in the building. He's as nice to the janitor as he is to uh, his left tackle. You know, he's just one of these guys that's a, a, again getting back to high integrity, genuine guy. Uh, and a regular guy, and uh, um, you know, you just uh, you hope if you finally find if you find a, a very talented quarterback that he has those characteristics, and uh, uh, we're lucky to have that. Thanks, Thanks guys. Thank you, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs>